I was getting a lot of pressure from my family because all my siblings are doctors. They always wanted me to be a lawyer, doctor, engineer, anything else, failure, right? I was an unpaid intern working at a hip hop radio station. So I was the black sheep of my family. A paid job opened up and I really, really wanted to get paid minimum wage at this radio station. I felt like if I could just, you know, get minimum wage, at least my parents will be happy. I have a real job, you know? Welcome to another episode of That Changed My Life, a podcast where real people share their personal stories of transformative moments that altered the course of their lives. In each episode, we'll dive into the personal stories of individuals who have experienced transformative events that shifted their perspectives, sparked newfound passions, or led them on unexpected paths. From life-altering decisions to chance encounters, our guests will candidly share their journeys of transformation, growth, and self-discovery. I am your host, Alex Lovely, a real estate investor and life coach on a mission to discover the extraordinary ways in which our lives can be forever transformed by a single moment. Hello, the podcast princess, my awesome, dear, good friend. Thank you for taking the time to come and hang out with us on the That Changed My Life podcast. I'm really, Alex. really, yeah, I'm really, really glad that you're here. And you're like a celebrity, and I've been watching your journey for so long. And, you know, I've watched you from the beginning, and it's just been such an inspirational story. I think more, more people out there need to hear it so that they can be inspired themselves to do something great. So I can, I can say all the great things about you, but I think it'd be better if you, if you told the audience here who you are, what do you do, what are some of your achievements, what do you offer, what space you're in, you know, um, yeah, go for it, take it away. I love it. And sorry for interrupting you. I thought you were done, but Alex, <laughs> I just wanted to say, I'm so proud of you for starting a podcast and, you know, I've been watching you too and really proud of everything that you're doing. So congrats on all your moves and, you know, becoming a thought leader in the real estate space. Uh, so really cool stuff. But to introduce myself to your listeners, my name is Hala. I am called the Podcast Princess. I'm the host of Young and Profiting Podcast. It's a top 10 entrepreneurship podcast on Apple. I'm also the founder and CEO of Yap Media. It's an award-winning social media agency. We're known as the number one LinkedIn marketing agency. Ooh. I'm one of the most popular influencers on LinkedIn. And so I have a LinkedIn masterclass and a LinkedIn mastermind. And then lastly, I help other podcasters grow and monetize their shows. So I have a podcast network where I run about uh, 10 uh, business shows exclusively. I help grow and monetize them. And then I have about 10 other shows that are non-exclusive that I sell for as well. Wow, that's that's a lot. So you do a lot. And, you know, for, for anybody that's just on the come up or starting, what would you say would be some of the Maybe, maybe we can go through like your story of how you started, some of the challenges you went through, and then we can go from there and we can inspire the audience from there. Sure. So I had like a wild come up journey. It, it, you've seen me like I've been trying to make it for like over 10 <laughs> years now. And it's funny because at first like people are like, why are you doing this? Or like they're talking behind your back or laughing at you. And then now everyone's like, how'd you do it? I'm so proud of you. Like, you know, it's just so funny how, how it all turns around. 
But I started my career in radio. That was my first real job. I always was somebody who was like had an entrepreneurial mindset. So me and you grew up together. So you know, I was always working retail, working at the mall. Like I always had some sort of a job. It's not like I didn't start working till Han 97. But Han 97 was my first corporate experience. And so I was in college. I was a junior in college. I was in the radio club. I was, you know, really involved in all these extracurricular activities at school. Uh, because in high school, I, I wasn't really able to take many extracurricular opportunities because after 9-11, honestly, I felt like a little bit discriminated. We, we, we went to the same high school, but I felt like at that point, I like all the teachers and older people weren't giving me opportunities. I had the best voice in school, never really given like any sort of opportunities in the plays and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> so you remember, like I was sort of like really, and it's crazy. I only realized how discriminated against I was once I got to college, because when I got to college, it was like everything I did, I was the star. And I was like, how is this happening? Like in high school, I was sort of like, uh, you know, average. It's not like I was a, like not cool or something, but I just wasn't the star. And at NGIT and in college, everything I did, I was the president of this, the star of that, the captain of this, you know. And so I realized that I was really talented, but it wasn't until college that I was actually given those opportunities. So I was really active. I was in the radio club and I had this idea. I wanted to be a professional singer. I was singing and songwriting at the time. And I was like, let me push my music at a radio station and become famous. I decided that I wanted to become famous at like 18, 19 years old. And I was really into the law of attraction. And I really believed that I could do it. And I was super confident about it. And I knew that I had a great voice and really talented. And so I started applying to all of these radio internships. And I got a job at Hot 97. So Hot 97 was the world's number one hip-hop and R&B station. And I got on the corporate side. And I was in the program department. I did a great job. Six months into it, they were like, why don't you work in the studio area, which was like super exclusive. Only like 14 people had key cards to get in there. And why don't you become Angie Martinez's assistant producer, like her intern, basically. Which was like the most glorified position at Hot 87 for somebody <laughs> my age, right? And so I was like, yes, I'm going to do that. And so I started working for Angie Martinez, and she was the voice of New York. And at that point, I really realized that I loved being a personality and I wanted to impact my voice and be a positive, you know, voice for my generation. And I realized I didn't necessarily have to be a singer. I also started meeting all these celebrities, seeing what it was like trying to be a singer and, and getting taken advantage of and being in these weird situations and then realized I want to be an on-air personality. Forget about the singing, right? And so I started doing all these little online radio shows on the side. All the DJs that you hear on the radio now, those were DJs that I would have like my pretend radio shows with them. Uh, <laughs> it's, it was called like Internet Radio on DTF Radio, A-List Radio.net, Bottom Music Radio.net. It used to be in like a stu physical studio that you would go to and I'd be like, everybody, and, and I would announce it on Twitter and like, you know, check me out 2 p.m. live at alistradio.net. And so I w it was a way for me to like get my experience and, and really hone my skills as a personality. On top of that, I was doing all of Angie's research, scripting her questions, saying commercials on the air. And so I was getting a lot of experience. And so I call this opportunity set A and opportunity set B, which I always take advantage of in my life. So opportunity set A was everything I was supposed to do as Angie Martinez's intern running the Dillette boards, answering phones, writing her research, uh, feeding meters and getting people coffee, right? That was my job as an intern. And then opportunity set B was everything else I did at the station. And 
Hot 97 became my identity. So I would go to the parties with the DJs after work and help all the DJs. I would host showcases and sell showcase tickets at night. That's how I made my money. I wasn't getting paid. I, I was an unpaid intern at Hot 97 for three years. And so wow. I was selling showcase tickets at night. I had all these online radio shows on the side. I was blogging for DJ Enough, learned how to blog, learned how to write, was running social media. I was doing all this stuff that had nothing to do with my job so I could get as much experience as possible. And so about a year into it, I ended up dropping out of school because, first of all, I was doing horrible in school. I had like a 2.3 GPA. <laughs> I was like, I didn't go to class. Me and you were hanging out at frat parties. Like that was the only time I was on campus. And I was just doing extracurricular activities and obsessed with being Hala from Hot 97. It had become my identity. And so I worked at Hot 97 full time every day. I'd even go there on the weekends. I would be running the boards till 1 a.m., 2 a.m. And then three years into it, an, a job opened up. And I was getting a lot of pressure from my family. I became the black sheep of my family at this point. Mm. And that's because all my siblings are doctors. So everybody was in med school on the med school track. My family is like immigrants, so they always wanted me to be a lawyer, doctor, engineer, anything else, failure, right? And so I was an unpaid intern working at a hip-hop radio station, partying, and they, they thought I was like a terrible person, right? And so I was the black sheep of my family, uh, basically was not getting any money from my parents anymore, and, and I had to like survive on my own, dropped out of school, and a a paid job open up and I really, really wanted to get paid minimum wage at this radio station. <laughs> I felt like if I could just, you know, get minimum wage, at least my parents will be happy. I have a real job, you know, and they they gave the job to somebody else, even though I was already doing the job that opened up. So they fired the producer and they ended up giving it to DJ Drewski, who was my friend. And we used to do radio shows together and he they wanted me to train him. And so I remember I texted him, you know, I was 25 years old. I was just a baby or 23 or whatever I was. And I texted him, hey, I don't feel good today. If you want to learn how to be the producer, learn it on your own. And he was my friend. So I, d I just thought he was going to be like, all right, Hala, feel better. Like, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, like, I thought he was just going to do that. But he s showed it to Angie and Angie fired me. And she not only fired me, she blackballed me from the industry. She cut my key cards. She didn't let me go get my stuff. She didn't let me say bye to anyone. This is a lady I used to babysit her kids. I used to buy clothes for her, do everything for her. And she just cut me off and tried to blackball me from the industry. And at that point, I thought my life was over. Everybody knew me as Hala from Hot 97. I had so much shame and embarrassment that I got fired from this job. I thought I was going to be the next Angie Martinez. And... Then my whole plan blew up in my face. I, had, I was left with no plan, and I had dropped out of school. My parents were mad at me. And so, really, I, I, I felt like my whole life was over. But I was lucky because of all the rejection that I faced in high school of trying it out for the volleyball team, not making it, trying out for talent show, not making it, trying out for cheerleading, not making it. I never made anything in high school. I, w I was so used to rejection that I was like, had a new idea. I got fired on Thursday. I had a new idea by Sunday. And I decided I was going to start this thing called the sorority of hip hop. I was going to recruit other girls from the entertainment industry who didn't make it uh, or who were getting like taken advantage of or not giving opportunities. I was going to reach out to those types of girls. And so I put solicits on Twitter, on Craigslist. I messaged some of my friends who worked at like iHeart and VH1 and Def Jam. And I banded this group together. Within two weeks, I had 14 girls, and I was officially president of the sorority of hip-hop. <laughs> and I learned how to blog. 
from DJ Enough and doing all that opportunities that be stuff that I was talking about. And I figured out how to build websites by myself, WordPress, and just hacked it and started this thing. Within three months, we were one of the biggest hip hop and entertainment sites in the world. And MTV was already scouting us for our own reality TV show and shot a, a pilot. Two years later, we shot a pilot with MTV. They filmed us the entire summer, and I was already, like, signed paperwork. We're going to get paid. They picked, like, the five main girls. I was the main girl getting paid three times as much as everyone else. They filmed us everywhere in the street. They got us a studio on Broadway. It was an amazing experience, but two weeks into it, they pull the plug, and I'm I find myself in the same situation. Worked for free for three years, basically, like, trying to build this website, and I was hosting parties and things like that and making a little bit of money, and, and you know, I was – no longer blackballed from the industry because I made it on my own. And so the same DJs who didn't pay me minimum wage started asking me to host their parties with them. So like things were going well, but then I didn't get this MTV show and it was devastating. And again, I found myself wrapping myself up in a brand thinking like, oh, I'm going to be famous, going to be on MTV, New Jersey Shore. Like I made it finally. And then again, I get rejected. So I got rejected by terrestrial radio. I got rejected by TV. A story I don't tell often a lot is I also got rejected from SiriusXM. I was going to be s the co-host on Sway in the Morning. Wow. And I was actually his co-host for two weeks. And then they said, sorry, you didn't get the job. And I didn't get the job. And so I was rejected from Sirius as well. And so it was just a lot of ups and downs trying to make it. And eventually, and I'll pause here because I know I'm giving yeah. you a, a whirlwind. <laughs> I, I ended up just shutting down the website and saying screw it i'm done i'm done with entertainment i'm never going to be famous i was stupid when i was 18 19 years old thinking i could be famous i've now tried it for six years i've got rejected from uh terrestrial radio satellite radio tv like what else? i've almost made it in every situation i'm done and then i went i, I went and got my mba and and went into corporate i'll stop there Okay. So yeah, I had a lot, you know, you said so many things and I had so many like questions and comments I wanted to make in the middle, but it's just, okay. you know, it's such a great story, you know? And I think just that itself, I'm sure so many people have experienced it, you know, going for something, betting on themselves and then just falling and then stopping. So that's probably a lot of people's stories. At some point they tried something and it didn't work and now they're stuck in a nine to five. Um, so first I want to say I was always a fan. Okay, I was always a fan, even in high school. You know, I remember you going through, you know, all the didn't make it to the volleyball team and all that stuff. But I do remember there was this like one soundtrack. I don't know if it was a cassette or a CD that you played at my house. And it was you singing A Whole New World, I think it was um, at the time. I don't even know if you remember this, but I remember it was like so good. I was like, this is so good. I, you know, we, we saw the school plays. I was like, why is this not here, right? And, um, you know, actually, my wife and I now, our song is a whole new world. So that's really interesting. Oh, that's and it's cool that, like, our life has just constantly been crossing college, uh, high school, college, and then again now. Like, you know, just... It's so it's, crazy. It's crazy. It's so amazing. And, you know, and you said something about your parent that you were the black sheep of your of your family. So was I. I was always, like, can't hold the job going to real estate, going into business, and I f fell on my face a whole bunch of times too. You know, I, I share it with some people that like, literally five years ago, when I lost my restaurant, I lost my house, my car got repoed, and I moved to Florida with nothing. So like, I totally feel you about, you know, those moments that you just like, all of your dreams and hopes, you thought you were going to be something, and then it just comes crashing down. 
So I just want to say thank you for sharing that. Um, and so now looking at it, well, let's, I, I want to hear more of this continuation of the story. But looking, yeah. at, looking back at those challenges, uh, how do you see them now? I mean, you had to have go, gone through them to become the person you are today. Yeah, I mean, I just I I hear the people on the radio. It's so funny. Like the people that I used to work with are still on the radio, mm -hmm. and a lot of the people that were like interns with me now have their own shows and they're they're doing their thing. But I think I'm equally as successful. I just ended up taking a different path, and if anything, I'm probably more successful. I have a bigger business. I have sixty employees. I've and it's your business. Yeah, it's my business. I don't Yours. just work for somebody else. So I actually think I'm more successful Hell yeah. because I took my own path. But it's only because I took agency over my life, you know, and I really got my education and I started a business and I took risks and all these things. And I got back on the horse eventually. If I had mm -hmm. not done that, everything that I have today, I would just be like a regular corporate employee, you know, and, and not really have much. Right. So because I took agency over my life, eventually I won. You know, eventually I hit the right idea at the right time and I had all the skills to do it right. And I owned it and it was my thing. Right. I started my own podcast. And so I don't regret it because all the experiences are what gave me the skills to be Halataha podcast princess, host of Young and Profiting podcast. And all the skills that gave me the experience to become a LinkedIn influencer and become a teacher and I just feel like I was really lucky to have all of those experiences at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And I really took advantage of those experiences. And even though I don't have money to show for it in terms of like the salary that I made in those, you know, eight years of basically working for free, I made so many skills that I've now made millions of dollars on those skills. And so I always tell young people like go intern work for me for free, you know, like, but until you've got skills to show for it, no one's going to really want to pay you. And that might mean you got to give up your time to gain some skills. Yeah. And, and really, it's, you can never go wrong betting on yourself. Mm -hmm. Those experiences and the things that you learn, it can never take be taken away. And, you know, it'll be monetized one day when you use it in a, in a productive way. Okay, so continuing from your story. And then, so you fell again, second time, third time. And so then you decided what? So at that point, I decided I was going to go get my MBA. I had graduated. I had went back to school after Hot 97 fired me. I didn't mention that. And I finished my undergrad. Then I went and did Strawberry Blunt, the sorority of hip-hop, this website. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and then now... I went and got my MBA and I and at first funny uh, more rejection stories my family because they did not believe in me they thought that the most that I could ever amount to would be to be like a speech language pathologist they were like <laughs> go become a speech language pathologist go become a, a occupational therapist these jobs are great but they make like 80 grand a year like my business makes is gonna make eight million dollars this year you know like so it's like drastically different in terms of what they thought I was capable of and so they were pushing me, pushing me. You should go, like, just get, you know, just go to, like, a two-year program and make $80,000 a year. They were thinking that's the most, you know, Hala could do. That's the best she could do. So I applied. I listened to them. I applied to 14 speech-language language pathology schools, <laughs> and I got rejected from every single one. Oh, God. <laughs> More failures, right? Yeah. Then I was like, you know what? I'm going to get my MBA. I was like, I think the only path for me is to go to business. I've always been like had an entrepreneurial spirit. I'm good at sales. I want to go get my MBA. So I had a terrible undergrad GPA. And I had to convince my director 
at NGIT, my, my alma mater, director of graduate studies. Her name was Elaine Frazier. And I stalked her. I sent her 10 emails. I invited her to coffee. And I went to her office eventually and had a sit down with her. And I told her, like, Elaine, I know I don't belong in this program. I know that my resume looks crazy. I interned for free. I used to host, like, a hip-hop events company. Like, I know I don't belong here, but I promise I'll get a 4.0. And if I don't, you can kick me out. And so she said, okay, as long as you maintain a 4.0, you can stay. And so I did. I got a 4.0, and I graduated number one in my class. Wow. At the same time, I got an internship at Hewlett Packard and it was my door into corporate. Again, my resume looked crazy. I looked like a complete like wild girl, right? <laughs> and they gave me a chance at Hewlett Packard, but because they were looking for an MBA intern, right? And so I was able to get my foot in the door in corporate. And so I worked corporate full time and went and got my MBA on the weekends. And I did that for two years. HP hired me and I did amazing in a corporate because what happened was is that I was in intrapreneur within the company i came so different everybody else had all this institutional knowledge mm -hmm. i had like learned on the internet i was so tech savvy i was so good at social media i was graphic designer video editor i could interview people i was just like a swiss army knife for them you know and so i got promoted so much and they they loved me at hewlett packard i ended up becoming the face of the young employees and so I started this Young Employee Network at my uh, office, and I was president of the Young Employee Network, then I was on the <laughs> global board, and then I was launching global events and interviewing this, the CEO and the C-suite and became the C-suite's pet, and literally was the face of the young employees at Hewlett Packard. Now, another rejection story and another same mistake that I kept making, I was kept working for free for people and building my skills, which I don't regret, but again, I didn't own it. So this whole young employee network thing that I was doing was basically a side hustle within the organization that I wasn't getting paid for. It gave me a lot of skills and notoriety and like um, visibility with the C-suite and everything, but I didn't own it. And at one point, I was in the running to be the president of the Global Young Employee Network. It was like my ultimate, like, you know, I, was, I did all the things. It's your new dream. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was my dream at the time. I did all the things. I had people like, uh, videotaping themselves with testimonials for me to win and like the whole board wanted me to win and I had deserved it and had all the credibility and then the VP of HR like hated me she absolutely did not like me because I'm a, I'm a, if like if you're not a person who likes like overachievers you don't like me you mm -hmm. know because I'm like the number one overachiever especially when I was younger I was just so like always had to like go above and beyond and that annoys some people like some people don't like that especially other women might be threatened by that so she was totally threatened by me and she gave it to some guy who had no experience in the whole organization who was at her office and it was just just a guy just got like shooed in and she didn't even let me on the board so all of a sudden for three years I was working on this thing and like was the most popular person in this organization and then I wasn't even on the board and I found myself again like oh my god I did it again I like worked for free and then got x'd out and I have nothing to show for it now. I have no ownership in this. And I and and there's you know I I invented all like things like company picnic holiday parties, this like massive global event, and they're using my templates for it till this day. But I have no ownership over it, right? And so that's when I decided I was going back to my dreams. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back on a mic instead of you know running seven thousand young employees. I'm going to run 7 million people all over the world and launch something called Young and Profiting Podcast. So actually, Young Employee Network, my uh, like my brain went to Young and Profiting Podcast. That's sort of where the name come came from. And 
that's how it started. Then within, you know, two years, my podcast blew up. I started my journey on LinkedIn. As a, I started my personal brand on LinkedIn to promote my podcast. My podcast blew up in two years and I became an entrepreneur and I'll let you kind of Okay. from here. So I remember the first time I was like, wow, she made it was when you interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I saw it on Instagram and I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is such a big, you know, achievement. And then I really just kind of stalked you a little more after that. You know, I was, I knew you were on the come up. I knew you were working really hard. Um, I didn't know all the, all the stories of the failures, um, you know, where, where you got X'd out. But yeah, it's, it's really great to hear all that because, you know, and I think it, sh it should serve as an inspiration for many people out there. You know, I always say it's better to it's better to make a million dollars on your 10th year than to be making a hundred thousand a year on those 10 years. Like if you failed 10 times, you know, each year and then on that 10th year, you make a million bucks. Both sides made a million bucks, but it is way, way miles, miles better than to than to go for that like corporate climb. Right. So totally. Yeah, and I can totally see that because of your entrepreneur experience, you go into a company, of course you're going to shine, right? Because you're seeing from it from a different place and somebody's just, just going there, clocking in, clocking out. So I also believe that. I'm like, well, you know, if all else fails, I can get a job anywhere and probably be a star in any job. Mm -hmm. you, know, and any, think that. you know, I'm like, they would be lucky to have me in there, right? So that's, how, that's my feeling, but I, I will never do that. Now, I'm just starting this podcast. You're one of my first uh, interviews here. So I feel like this is, this is great. You know, mm -hmm. I get a head start. So tell me, um, I guess give me some, some, some feedback too, because a lot of people probably are starting now too. I think there's podcasts starting all over. I've, I know so many people just starting their podcasts. So for anybody that is starting, you know, you obviously went through a lot of things in the beginning to get there and you became, and you blew up in two years. But that means with your knowledge and your experience, you could probably blow somebody up in way shorter time than that. Yeah. I mean, you could just, if you just have money, you can, I can blow you up right now. Let's go. <laughs> okay, you know? okay, but, like, okay. <laughs> but no, for real, there's, there's many different paths. One thing that you should know is that it's like podcasting is a long game, right? That you really want to grow your audience and that takes time. And you've got to be consistent. A lot of people start a podcast, they don't get traction and they give up. Yeah. The difference between me and a lot of people is that I didn't give up because my mission was bigger than just having like an audience. I was just as consistent when I had a thousand listeners to now when I have, you know, 600,000 listeners, right? I was just as consistent. I never missed a day. I never missed an interview. I always gave it my all. I always did my research. I always went above and beyond with the promotion. Nothing changed. I maintained consistency. So first things first, it's like don't look at the numbers in the beginning. Just keep your eye on the prize. You're there to provide service whether you have one listener or a thousand listeners, right? Mm -hmm. So keep consistent. Keep a consistent schedule. Um, the other thing is you really need to get your marketing right. I was really successful at podcasting because I actually had a lot of marketing skills. I wasn't the best podcast host. I'm trying to be a better podcast host. You know, I'm getting coaching and things now. 
I think the reason why I became the podcast princess is because I was such a good marketer and I had so much marketing experience. And so I put together all these different things that I had blogging experience, social media experience, video editing, graphic design, plus the fact that I had a radio background and knew how to do research and was a smart person. I put all those things together and then became a really good podcast host. But it was because I had all those varying skills. So if you don't have marketing skills, you might need to really think about investing in somebody who's going to help you with those marketing assets because it's so important if you really want to grow your show. Um, and the other tip that I'll give is about uh, visibility and how to actually grow your subscribers. And that's getting exposure on other podcasts. A lot of people don't listen to podcasts. It's either you listen to podcasts or you don't, right? So when you put out a social media post, maybe half the people that see that post, they might not even listen to podcasts, right? Half of Americans have never listened to a podcast. So half of those people are just throwaways impressions, right? Instead, you want to be visible on the podcast app. So what does that mean? Guesting on other shows just like I'm doing on your show, right? or getting commercials on other shows. You can actually track those commercials and see who downloaded your podcast episode. You can also buy advertising in the different podcast apps, right? So Spotify has ads. There's all these, there's like 70 different players outside of Apple and Spotify where you can buy advertising in those apps so you can get visibility, uh, you know, for from other podcast listeners. So those mm -hmm. are some ways to grow the show. And the other thing that we can talk about is monetization because monetization, you never want to go into a podcast thinking, oh, I'm going to make, I want to start a podcast to make money. Like that's not how it works, right? You won't make money until you have a significant audience. And so you need to think about how you're going to generate ROI from this activity that your podcast before you even have the audience. And that means having like some sort of a business that you're promoting, uh, promoting, um, that's really it. You need to have some sort of business that you're promoting on your podcast where you can generate ROI. So then you can then reinvest in the media buying aspect, which is pretty expensive to then grow your show and then get sponsorship. So it's sort of like a, a journey that you have to take. And unless you get really lucky or unless you're already a big celebrity that is smart enough to figure out how to drive their social audience to, to their podcast, you're not going to get sponsorships and make money on your podcast right away. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to give the audience uh, a frame of reference beginning to where you are now. So okay. me just starting my podcast, um, $10,000, where would it go? Like I already spent a lot on equipment, so that's all spent. But if I had, how much of a budget do you think I should start with? I mean, yes, uh, the practice, the content, the consistency, those are all things that I can control. Now, if I had a budget that I wanted to give myself a little bit of boost, maybe 10,000 is not enough. What would you say would be something that I want to start with? Or maybe even 10,000. I would say most people would invest 10,000 into their podcast. What would that look yeah, like? Yeah, and you're saying outside of equipment and outside of marketing support and things like that? Uh, maybe the marketing support. Let's let's do outside of equipment because somebody could just start with a camera and a light and whatever. Yeah, you just so. need a, a like $100 mic, yeah. $100 webcam, mm -hmm. and a laptop. I'll just lay it all out for them, right? You okay. need a recording platform. So Riverside.fm, it's like $25 a month or $35 a month, right? You need a hosting platform that's going to be like another $20, $30 a month uh, when you're just starting out. As you get bigger, for me, it's like $1,000 a month, right? So it's like as you get bigger, hosting is going to be more expensive because you're going to have to move onto a platform that can help you monetize, right? Mm. Then 
you need marketing support. So I would advise that you hire a video editor and you get a certain amount of videos per episode or per month. There's some services that are specifically geared towards podcasters that are affordable, or you can learn how to make your own videos and graphics. So you need some sort of outside support. Let's budget uh, $500 to $1,000 a month on that. Um, you need somebody to help you with audio editing. That's going to cost you at least, uh, for a good one, $250 an episode. So let's budget another $1,000 a month for that. And all of these things you could technically do yourself, but you need to figure out, is your time worth more than outsourcing it or not, right? So you need to just understand where you are in the spectrum of life. Yeah, I'm going to outsource <laughs> and, and all those, but yes, okay, continue. You would outsource it, but I'm saying uh, somebody else might think, might, uh, might actually be in their best interest to learn how to do it themselves and do it themselves if they're not making more than two fifty an hour, for, ex for example, you know? Right, so, got it. Um, so you can either do, learn how to do it on your own or outsource that. Then in terms of media buying, if you media buy on an app, it's anywhere from like $3,000 to $7,000 a run. And they'll usually guarantee you a certain amount of subscribers or a certain amount of downloads. Every platform is different. Um, so you can allocate, let's say, $5,000 a month towards media buying. Um, and then in terms of commercials on other podcasts, it's based on the size of the podcast. So it's based on something called CPMs, cost per 1,000 downloads. And so most podcasters are anywhere from $20 to $35 per 1,000 downloads. And then just based on the size of the show, you would then get a rate. So, for example, if you have uh, 1,000 listeners, uh, you would just pay that podcaster $25 to run a commercial on their podcast. Oh. So you okay. can just find podcasters and uh, ask if you can buy commercials on their show. All right. So, I mean, that $10,000 seems like it would last me one month. <laughs> yeah, it would just last you a month um, if you're going to do media buying as well. Uh, and if you're not going to be scrappy. But there's ways to get around it. Like, I, I had volunteers for my podcast for the first two years. I had 20 people who worked for free for me. Wow. And the reason why is because I knew how to do everything. I was doing it all by myself. I was doing the audio editing, the graphic design, the video editing, the research, all of it by myself. And then fans would reach out. I want to help. Like, your show is so amazing. And I would just be like, sure, I'll teach you how to video edit. Or sure, I'll teach you how to do guest outreach. Or sure, I'll teach you how to copyright. And I would just teach them. And people were really thankful for, for that training. That was my gift to them. And their gift to me was helping me produce my show. And that enabled me to do Young and Profiting as a side hustle, even when it was a big show, like right before, I only quit my job right before I interviewed Matthew McConaughey. It was a huge show already. And I was working full time because I had all these like volunteers just doing my work <laughs> for me for the podcast. So you can hustle your way to get to free <laughs> too. So I got two 16 year old kids that, that kind <laughs> of is in this strategic partnership with me. And one handles YouTube and one handles the other social media side of my stuff. So I don't know if you're looking for new interns, you know, to, to provide some value for you and, and to learn something, I would probably send them over to you. <laughs> oh, that's really nice yeah, yeah. of you. I would be like, I'm keeping those sick. <laughs> doing good work. Oh, okay. Well then maybe, maybe we'll rethink that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Um, in your two years, this will be, we'll, we'll start to wrap this up, but in your two years on your way to blowing up your podcast, um, Give us more like metrics, like where did you, where did it become successful at what amount, things like that. I think I need to tell the story of how I became an entrepreneur and like turned it into an actual business because that's what turned everything up for me, right? Okay, so, let's do that. So, so basically I was doing 
Young and Profiting podcast as a side hustle for two years, and I was not even interested in making money. All I wanted to do was have this cool podcast. I thought it was going to be a hobby for the rest of my life. I, I wanted to just, like, become the CMO at Disney. I was at Disney eventually. I wanted to be, like, the CMO at Disney, and I had I never thought I was going to be, like, Halataha Podcast Princess, Podcast Network founder, all this stuff. <laughs> I never thought that. Now, I remember COVID, COVID hit, March 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right around when my podcast blew up, actually. It blew up in COVID. So I was two years into it. I was growing my following LinkedIn. Probably had like 80,000 followers on LinkedIn. Uh, for perspective, I have like 230,000 followers on LinkedIn now, right? So I had like 80,000 followers on LinkedIn. Started to build a following. My podcast was getting bigger. Um, I found myself having no more commute. I was at my parents' house in COVID. I, and I was basically stuck there in quarantine because my whole family got COVID, my dad ended up passing away, and I um, was none of my friends and family wanted to hang out with me because everyone was really scared of COVID at that time. So if you got COVID, you were like, you know, disassociated for months, right? <laughs> and not like a week like it is now, right? <laughs> and so I, w- I was really like had a lot more free time uh, because I had no commute, I had I wasn't with my boyfriend, and I was like stuck in my mom's house, right? And so. I started being open to new opportunities and I was also getting unhappy at Disney. I was feeling like, man, I'm never going to like, like I, I haven't gotten a promotion in two years. I was just getting promoted like every six months at Hewlett Packard. And I was like, they're not looking out for me. They don't respect me here. And I was feeling unhappy. So I was starting to be open to more opportunities. Now the podcast guests that would come on my show, I always had big guests from the start, right? I've oh, I, I interviewed my favorite author episode one. Right? How did you how did you do that? I, I want to know how how did you go about reaching and because getting- I shoot my shot, and I I don't let up, and I and I like I when I first started my podcast, I inter- I solicited thirty people to come on episode one, two accepted. But all 30 of them were rock stars. And then I had two guests on my first episode. Who right? did you reach out to? Did you like reach out to their PR team? Did you have an email address? What did you find them on the internet? How'd you do it? I would reach out to them on LinkedIn. So I that was my highest leverage platform. And so I would invite them to connect. Hey, what's up? My name is Hala. Uh, you know, I thought I was a LinkedIn influencer at the time, even though I probably wasn't. I'm like, I'm really big on LinkedIn. I have like an, a top podcast, even though it wasn't a top podcast yet. Like I was just amping myself up, you know sent them an invite would love to tell you more about the show uh, except if you if you if you want to learn more then I would just like respond back in the dms then there's also extensions that you can get where you can pull people's emails from LinkedIn so I would do that and also hit them up on email Um, and once you get a big name you can keep leveraging that name hey you know uh, I just had Chris Voss on the show I know that you're both New York Times best-selling authors would you like to come on my show so I would just like leverage I would just build my whole thing has just always been like Build leverage, leverage that to get more leverage, to leverage that to get more leverage, right? And That's so I just started from the top. I, I just didn't, I didn't start, I didn't just interview anyone. I just made sure that from the start I had really high caliber guests. So I just kept that momentum. And in terms, uh, where was I in the story? I was talking about, oh, the guests that would come on my show, always big name guests and rich, successful, all those things. And they would always ask me at the end of the show, and I was just so blind to it. They'd be like, Hala, who does your marketing? Hala, how did you grow this podcast? Hala, how did you grow your LinkedIn? Can you do this for me? And I'd always be like, no, I have a volunteer team. They don't get paid. <laughs> and then I and then I would say, like, I have a job, and I'm happy. Like, no, thank you. But then finally, there's this one lady, Heather Monahan. Uh, she's still my client, my first client. And she basically was like, 
if you're not like she's like at least train me how to do these videos and I was like okay fine I'll train you how to make these cool videos that I do that you're obsessed with and so I would have meetings with her on the weekend and then I did it twice with her and then finally she was like holla like enough is enough <laughs> like I saw what you do she's like you have 20 people who work for you right now correct and I'm like yes she's like I was showing her all my folders, my Slack, everything like this. She's like, I literally just had a call with VaynerMedia. I'm about to hire them. I don't want to. Your stuff is better. I want to hire you. I want to be your first client. Like, you can't say no. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll try. And so I started with her videos. She was paying me like, you know, like a thousand bucks a month or something. Then eventually I took over her, all of her LinkedIn, all of her podcasts, everything was a much bigger deal. My second client was $30,000 a month. Wow. And then I, then I got Kara Golden. It was like another $30,000 a month. And I just kept, I got the CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Then all of a sudden I found myself six months later, still in corporate, 30 paid employees making like almost 200 grand a month on my, with my agency. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, I got to quit my job. And my ex-boyfriend at the time of 10 years was super against me quitting my job. He didn't see it. He couldn't believe how fast I grew. He just wasn't aligned with my vision. I ended up breaking up with him. And starting all over and becoming an entrepreneur. As soon as we broke up and I and I broke free from someone who was basically stepping on my neck the whole time in terms of me wanting to be an entrepreneur those six months, as soon as I broke free from that and started my company, my whole thing blew up. Because what happened was is I finally made money and I was so um, knowledgeable about my industry, I knew exactly how to spend that money. As soon as I got that money, I knew how to, how to parlay it into growing my podcast. And so basically, one part of the story that I'll just mention in terms of how I specifically blew up my podcast, which is your original question, was I actually was uh, really scrappy. Again, I had no money in the beginning. I wasn't making any money. So everything that I did was, was I was getting volunteers. I was trading. And so I reached out to all the podcast players. I realized that Apple's not the only game in town. And I realized that everybody who's like topping the charts on Apple, they started 10 years before I did or mm -hmm. five years before I did. And so I reached out to all these different players and I said, hey, what's up? My name's Hala. I've got a huge following on LinkedIn. I'm the number one LinkedIn podcaster, which was true. And I have the most engagement as any podcaster on LinkedIn. And I'd love to post about your platform on LinkedIn in exchange for you promoting me in your app, in exchange for you promoting me on your website, in exchange for you promoting me on your email newsletter. And I did that with every single podcast app, whether it was a recording platform, whether it was uh, a, a podcast player, whatever it was. And I just had my little interns, uh, volunteers. I would type up an email and I'd be like, send this to these 50 companies and customize this line. And, and then we would just do that. And then CastBox sponsored me. Now I have over 300,000 subscribers on CastBox. They sponsored me for like a whole year. And they were just pushing me out to their platform. And I became one of the biggest podcasters on CastBox. That was my first big break. Wow. And then I started, the downloads started to really pour in. Um, and then, you know, I started to get sponsorships and then I was able to take that money from sponsorships and reinvest it back into growing my show. And, and it just became like a whole cycle. So it was really just being scrappy, smart and taking advantages of the opportunities that I saw in that moment. And that's how I did it. Wow. Okay. That, I mean, it doesn't even sound that hard. It seems like it was just work consistency and all the, and it was the grind. It was so scrappy, Alex. Like, honestly, it was just because I, I, I don't. I just take action. Like I'll give you another example of how as like now I'm like the scrappy, scrappy podcast network, right? <laughs> like I, I was the scrappy podcaster who like came from nothing and like now is the podcast princess, right? Now I'm like the scrappy underdog podcast network. 
And there's something called the IAB Upfronts happening in May. And like Wondery is presenting and Amazon and Cumulus Podcast, all these like really big dogs are presenting. And I emailed them and we weren't even invited. And so <laughs> I emailed them and I was like, hey, what's up? My name's Hala. Uh, I, I really want to go to the IAB Upfronts. Like, here's my podcast. Here's my network. And like, how can we get involved? And the guy emailed me back and like, listen, nobody else would shoot their shot like this. Like, oh, I'm not invited. I'm not even going to bother. Right. Yeah. I found out who the guy was, who I needed to reach out to. I reached out to him personally and I was like, how can we get involved? We're a new network, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, let's hop on a call. Now I'm presenting for 10 minutes at the IAB Upfront <laughs> next to Wondery and Amazon and all these other big shot networks. And it's because I just shoot my shot. Like, I, there, it's every stage of your life you're going to have to shoot higher and higher and higher. And I just ask. You know, worst they can say is no. And I, I always just ask, whether it was the guests that you mentioned, whether it's asking for interns, asking for volunteers. I just shoot my shot. That's amazing. Yeah. You just gave me some great ideas of some other people I need on my team. So who are your heroes in life? Oh, I love this question. So <laughs> I have a couple heroes. So... My dad is my hero. Yeah. He passed away a couple years ago and came from nothing. He was, you know, a poor farmer's son in Palestine, grew up in war. Palestine has a lot of crazy things going on, right? And uh, he became really successful. He got a scholarship to med school, became a doctor, chief of surgery in multiple hospitals in New Jersey, and basically pulled my whole family out of poverty. Very generous man. One of the reasons why I'm constantly giving back and always building communities, and one of the reasons why I'm even, like, as outgoing as I am and confident, it's all my dad. So, like, really, my dad is, like, the reason why I am Halata. So mm. props to him. Without him, I would not be as successful because I wouldn't have had that role model to think that I it's even possible right and he also used to always like tell me like you're a star you're a star even when I was in high school like failing at everything he's <laughs> like don't worry he's like you're the star like Aww. trust me and so he really helped build my confidence so my dad uh, on the industry side Jordan Harbinger is my mentor and uh, he's somebody that I really aspire to he teaches me a lot uh, he taught me all about media buying and the things that I told you about today and it's always important to have a mentor who really is teaching you where they've already gone. And, uh, you know, eventually I'm going to need somebody else who's even gone further than Jordan, I'm sure. But, you know, it's really great to have somebody in your corner who's been where you want to go. And those are the types of people that you should take advice from. So it's like I never took advice from, like, random people that I met. I only would take advice from somebody like Jordan, who is, like, somebody that I want to aspire to be like, right? Yeah. And, and so Jordan Harbinger is my other uh, person that I would mention. That's awesome. Okay, so how do you want to be remembered? What's your legacy? How do you want to be remembered? And yeah, what are you doing every day to make that happen? So I want to be a positive voice for my generation. Uh, I want to be remembered as a minority woman who just took the podcast industry and just this social media industry in general by storm. I think it's really unique that I'm a minority woman who owns a company, who's in this space to begin with. If you notice, most of the top podcasters are men, right? And so um, I just hope to be a great role model for other women who want to be entrepreneurs, who want to follow their dreams. And I also love the message of you're never too old or too young to start something new. So I was a young entrepreneur who failed, and then I got back on the horse and I made it. And so I'm so happy that, you know, even though my friends – uh, some people that you know as well. Uh, they, t I remember I wasn't even, uh, I maybe was just 30 when I started Young and Profiting Podcast. And 
they were telling me I'm too old to have a podcast. <laughs> oh, God. And then I became top of my field. So thank God I didn't listen to them. You know, I literally became top of my field within two years. And think and way more successful and wealthy because I did follow my dreams. And people, they don't understand your own capabilities, right? You only understand what you're capable of. And had I listened to my family, had I listened to my ex-boyfriend, had I listened to my friends, I would be regular ass, regular holla. Like, you know what I mean? I would not be the optimal top performing holla that I am today. I would be like the most average basic version of who I am today. And so I'm just really happy that I followed my gut and I didn't worry about age or anything like that because at the end of the day, now I'm an entrepreneur and I'm like a young entrepreneur. You know what I mean? So it's just it's just so funny how people just like use age as like something to hold them back mm. and you should never do that. Awesome. I was going to ask you that question, but you already answered it. So, I'm okay, just... last question is, um, you know, what... What are you what are you looking for? What do you what's your next step and what 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 do you need to get to your next step? What are you looking for? Interesting. What is my next step? So, I need time. It's really what I need <laughs> because I need to write a book somehow in the next year. So, I'm planning on writing a book. I'm going to be writing a book about personal branding oh, and how to awesome. launch a personal brand. And so, very excited about that. I have a lot of publishers that are interested like Penguin Random House and other like big publishers. And so, I need to find time to write a book. Uh, the problem is, is that I've got lots of exciting businesses, lots of opportunities, and really the biggest thing for me is focus. I need to find time to focus. I need to have the mental power to say no uh, to all these sexy opportunities so that I can keep my eye on the prize, grow my network, uh, write my book, grow my personal brand, and all the things that really are going to scale my company and me to the next level. Nice. Okay, so where do people find you? How do they find you? All the different platforms. Yeah, so you guys can find me at my podcast, Young and Profiting Podcast. I hope everybody goes and tunes in there. We interview the brightest minds in the world. So I just had Damon John on. I had Alex Shamozzi, Grant Cardone, uh, Matthew McConaughey a while ago, like Alex mentioned. So check out Young and Profiting Podcast. And if you guys want to learn about LinkedIn, you can go to yapmedia.io slash course. I have a masterclass every single month, so you guys can check that out. Uh, I think if you use code Alex, you can get a discount there. So go ahead and do that. Sweet. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at Yap with Hala, LinkedIn, search for my name, Hala Taha. I'm on YouTube as well. And I hope you guys check us out. Awesome. Well, that was amazing. Thank you so much for your time here. I know time is what you need. And so putting your, putting your time here, you know, I'm super grateful and I'm Thank you. And I look forward to more things that we to do together. And with that, we come to the end of another powerful episode of the That Changed My Life podcast. We hope you've been deeply moved by the personal stories shared today and that they have inspired you to reflect on your own life experiences. Change can be uncomfortable and challenging, but it's often the catalyst for growth and progress. Whether it's overcoming obstacles, taking risks, or embracing new opportunities, our lives are shaped by the choices we make and the moments that leave a lasting impact. I encourage you to take these stories to heart and reflect on how they can influence your own life. What changes do you need to make to become the best version of yourself? What pivotal moments have shaped your journey so far? How can you harness the power of change to create a more fulfilling life? Thank you for your continued support of the podcast. Remember to subscribe, leave a rating and review to help us reach more listeners and share these transformative stories with others. 
Follow me on Instagram at alexlovely and use hashtag that changed my life. I look forward to bringing you more inspiring stories in next week's episode. Until then, keep embracing change, striving for growth, and making a positive impact in your own life. This is Alex, signing off.